Again, good morning. I came up a little too early. Our time is off. I, sorry. Um, so you're awake, right? I know this is one of those weeks. There's not as many voices in here. It can get a little quiet, but uh, there's this, this bit of energy that you kind of want when you're, you're preaching, when there's a, a worship service. And, uh, you know, unless you want me to start shouting out, can I get an amen, which is just not my style. Um, <laughs> Um, so anyway, we are in the second week of, of summer psalms today. In the, in the summer, we, we work through psalms. Um, Psalm 46, so grab a Bible, head that way if you can, uh, get a chance. When you get there, you're going you're gonna to notice right there at the very beginning that before the psalm, there's a title given. And this is the title that's, that's not given by the publisher of, of your particular translation, but was given uh, originally when this was written. And you'll say it says, To the choir master of the songs of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Uh, Korah. Korah was a, a man who led this rebellion against Moses at one point in history, and his rebellion ultimately failed, and, and many men died in the, in the course of this rebellion, uh, including Korah himself, but his family line, his lineage lived on and continued on. And so many years later, after the temple was completed, uh, what we found is that each family, all these family li lines were given these, these ways of serving in the temple worship, and so uh, the sons of Torah were assigned to be doorkeepers in the temple, to open the doors, unlock the doors, that sort of thing, keeping it, it safe, basically guarding the doors. And uh, they also happen to have written 11 of the Psalms of the 150 in the, in the Psalms. So uh, you might also notice there that it's to be sung according to Alamoth. That is the equivalent to what we call soprano, and best to my knowledge, that means it's to be sung very high. Um, I see heads shaking correctly, so good. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so the psalm itself is written in these three stanzas. I, it's good to kind of notice these things as you go through them. Each of the stanzas can be marked. The ending is, is marked with that word selah. The, the best we understand that it just means to pause there for a moment. Um, and, and each stanza we're going to see expresses this trust in God, uh, even in the midst of very real trouble. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 46. Beginning in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The grass withers. The flower fades. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we, we feel it. We feel the earth give way. We feel the trembling. We are all too aware of present troubles and our hearts start to give away. Our hearts begin to tremble. 
So much has changed in the world since this was written, and yet the world is still a scary place, and you are still a mighty refuge. Would you work greater faith, greater confidence in our hearts that, that you, in you, rather, Lord, that, that, that you are powerful, that you are for us. Lord, may we be changed by Psalm 46 this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the question that we want to be asking ourselves as we approach this psalm, as we walk through these, these three stanzas, is, is something along the lines of, where do I go when, when reasons to fear arise in my life? Where, where do I go? Mentally, you know, to, to whom, to, to what do we run when life begins to get really crazy, really stressful? In, in other words, what do you consider, uh, what do you consider your refuge? your place of security? You know, is our, is our hope that God will provide or, or that we'll have enough money to provide for our needs today and on into retirement? When, when a, a storm blows in, is our hope only in the, the how secure the building is that we might be in, or are, are we looking to God to protect us in that moment as well? Is our hope only that, that the doctor might be able to heal whatever it is that we are, we are running into, or are we putting our hope that God may heal us, and ultimately that the gospel, in the gospel rather, we are absolutely secure even if our health does give away. And the answer is given in this psalm right here, at least the answer that we want to give is in the psalm right from the very begin, beginning as it reads there, our God, our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God here is, is compared to this protective place that, that cannot be damaged. Now, not only is he strong, but, but he's also said here to be present with us, right? And because of this, it, it makes, um, verse 2 makes this confident statement. Because God is with us and because God is a refuge, we can say, therefore, we will not fear. It, it's a lot like a, a child who is in, in the presence of a strong parent, Right? The, the fears tend to go away in that moment. It's a very different experience when, when their parents aren't nearby. And then as we work through this psalm, you'll see in verses 2 and 3 that, that we're answering this, this thought, right? It's, it's coming to this conclusion of kind of this, yeah, but, but what if this happens, right? Uh, it's written in this order, almost anticipating that we're going to respond to this from the beginning, these encouraging statements that God's our refuge with something like, sure, God's, God's our refuge, I get it. You know, for the little things, for the, for the fears like monsters under the bed or in the closet. But, but then it's as though the psalmist is, is making this statement. You know, you don't understand. I, I'm, I'm talking about the big things. God is our refuge for, for the big things, for the everythings as well. I mean, look at these extreme examples he gives here. Even if the unthinkable natural disaster should occur, each one of them here in this text are marked with that, you know, beginning with that word, though. Though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though, the, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. It's kind of interesting that the psalmist goes here uh, because people at this time didn't really imagine these uh, apocalyptic natural disasters in the world. It, it wasn't something they really thought of very often. I mean, we, we don't understand that because we make movies all the time that do that sort of thing. The, the day after tomorrow, Armageddon, San Andreas... Uh, even the weirder ones, right? I Am Legend or uh, Terminator 2. Those are ultimately some crazy thing about to happen to the world. Um, 
There, there is, as I was looking for, you know, examples of that, actually, I found that there's this Norwegian movie called The Wave that is pretty much this passage where an entire mountain crumbles into the ocean, and, and then that becomes the issue, right? That uh, the whole world is, is now in, in danger at that point because of the tsunami that it causes. Um, but again, you know, as, as we're looking at this, you've got to remember that, that we're in the Psalms. And when you're in the Psalms, you've got this mix of, of this is what's really happening in the real world. And then there's also this symbolic nature of, of what it's talking about, um, about here. And, and, and that God is our refuge. Um, and, and this is the thing, right? God is our refuge, even if the literal mountains were to crumble into the sea. And yet there's also the symbolic nature. Do you remember that uh, from last week, that mountains are this, this symbol in the Psalms of stability, solid things that can be trusted on, uh, security. Waters, on the other hand, in the Psalms, are often this, this symbolic idea of just mayhem, absolute mayhem. And so you begin to see this, this symbolism of, uh, of what is stable in our life, what is solid and trustworthy, is now going into this, these, these waters that are, 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 are thrown into this chaos. This is where everything in life just kind of gets messed up from what we expect it should be. We, we even have these phrases for these sort of things, right? That the, the wheels of my life have come off. Um, all heck has broken loose. I'll use heck for the, your sake. Um, you know, my, my southeast Missouri relatives have a phrase. They say the outhouse has collided with the windmill. That's what's going on in life right now. And that's the moment when these things hit. You've never heard that. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> that's the moment, though, that, that suddenly everything in life has blown up, right? And, and that's what we're talking about here. And it, it, it really, though, like... You're going to want to use that term, but, but you need to be using this term that we're seeing here in Scripture right here. Because uh, if we start using terms from Scripture, I think we're going to start finding ourselves seeing the solution from Scripture as well. That you know, So, so when we're facing these fears, anxieties, when everything in, in life just blows up, you might use the phrase something like, you know, the mountains are falling into the sea. You know, you turn to your spouse and tell them that. Why? So that you remembered right at the very beginning the first thing we saw here, Right? Yes, the mountains are falling into the sea, but God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. The second stanza then begins with this confident look at God. Notice the, the water here, they're, they're no longer chaos. Um, the waters here are calm, they're, they're under control. Verses 4 and 5 here, there, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. See, the, the city of God here, this is, this is imagery as well, right? It, it absolutely refers to, to Jerusalem in the moment, in the time, uh, at, at this writing. And, and it also is pointing forward to the new Jerusalem, this, this eternal hope for God's people. You see, the, the historical city of Jerusalem never had a river running through it. That's what it refers to here, but it never had a river running through it. There's a small stream, but no river. But there was a river in Eden. And when you look in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 22, the first verse makes clear that the new Jerusalem will indeed have a river running through it. See, symbolically, the, the point is that, that God's presence 
provide security. Because if Jerusalem did indeed have a river, like we see here, it would be more secure because the one thing that Jerusalem really lacked was a water supply whenever they were sieged from people outside, cutting them off from supplies. The holy habitation that we see in the text here is this reference to uh, the temple. The temple was the, the earthly presence of the Lord, that he was there historically uh, with the God's people in Jerusalem. The future city of God is this, this heavenly community. It says the book of Hebrews, verses uh, 12-22 calls it, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And while we're looking forward to this, this place, this reality, uh, to this city that Hebrews 11.10 refers to as the city whose designer and builder is God, we've also got to understand that it, it's not merely a future reality or a future place. It, it has a view towards the safety of God's people in every era of history. Even in our own era of history today, because God is, is present with his people. You know what, we'll, we'll get together for the Lord's Supper, and, and our understanding when we sing praises to God is that He's present here with us. He's not in some far-off place. He's, he's with his, his people. When you go from here, the Lord is present with you. In verses 6 and 7 again, they, it draws our attention to these events that will, will stir up anxiety in our hearts. Only, only this time the events are, are these political and military turmoil. These are things that are caused by, by other humans. It says the nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. So something interesting here. I'll say uh, Sam Cassing's taking classes at, at Covenant Seminary. And he asked John Dunning and I this week this question. He said, how much do you guys, you guys, because he's not from the South. Uh, how much do you guys use the original languages in, in your ministry, in your teaching? And, and, and we understood this real quick because we'd been there in our life. That this is code for, uh, is learning Greek and Hebrew worth all the effort? Or can I just blow this off completely? It's a, uh, you know, can I just not bother with it? And, and God in his providence has today in this psalm really, uh, there's something here that I, that I learned in the, in the Hebrew that I would have missed if I wasn't reading in the Hebrew. And I think that God wanted me to do that, did this so that, so that we could tease Sam today about his desire to weasel out of learning Hebrew. Not really. But there is something really wonderful here, which, which honestly, you can just mark this in your English Bible if you want, that uh, if you're looking there, verses 2 and 3 and verses 6 have this really interesting connection. The, the Hebrew word translated roar in verse 3, where you see there the waters roar, uh, it's the same word that's translated rage here in verse 6. The nations rage, the roar and rage. Also, the, the Hebrew word translated moved. In verse 2, the one we just saw, that uh, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. It's translated as, as totter here. The kingdoms totter. Why does that matter, though? And, and this is where it gets interesting. And, and, you know, because maybe the better question is, what, why has the author used these exact same words for these things? He could have used other words. There's a whole variety of vocabulary he could have used. Well, what's the connection between verses 2 and 3 with with verse 6. And, and the point here that, that we're seeing in this text is that it, it doesn't matter what the disaster is, what the fear is. We, we may fear natural disaster, or, or we may fear some outworking of human depravity in, in the world. But, but either way, in both of those cases, God is our refuge. See, God's our refuge whether, whether our fear is tornadoes or whether our fear is, is war. 
L listen, there, there is a, uh, there's this organization, actually, that has started tracking fears of people. Basically, they want to see over time what are people most afraid of uh, on this annual survey. And, and some of them are silly things, like 5.3% of people are afraid of zombies, um, uh, which is actually less than the 6.7% who are afraid of clowns. I can agree with that. <clears throat> but uh, most of the things are really rare, rare, real. And, and this year, the top 10 greatest fears for Americans are, are here. Number one, corrupt government officials. Number two, health care. Will you have access to it? Number uh, three, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Four, pollution of drinking water. Five, not having enough money for the future. Six, high medical bills. Seven, that the U.S. will be involved in another world war. Uh, eight, or, yeah, that's seven. Uh, eight, global warming and climate change. Ten, that North Korea might use weapons. Ten, air pollution. Also ranking high on this list are terrorist attacks. People, I love dying or becoming ill. Identity theft, sexual assault, tracking of personal data, collapse of the electrical grid, worry that guns will be taken from them, car accidents, spouse being unfaithful, police brutality, being unemployed, devastating tornado or hurricane. So any of you that have anxiety just got racketed up, right? <clears throat> I hadn't thought of that. That is worth being afraid of today. Uh, I mean, we're a very anxious culture. I mean, listen, you, you may feel anxiety about the world we live in today. Maybe, maybe because the, the morals of the nation seem to be, be tottering. Maybe, maybe because, you know, the place of God in our culture seems to have been, you know, moved into the heart of the sea. But, but no matter what it is, though, God is indeed our refuge. I mean, the, the nations rage, the earth melts, but the Lord is, is with us. The Lord is our safe place. See, all God has to do is speak with his voice, and these enemy nations, they melt like the wicked witch of the West, right? Just melt. I mean, the idea that his voice could, could have that sort of power, that's, that's the God who is our refuge. I mean, look there at verses 8 and 9 again. Um, it calls us to look at God. It, 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 they say here, Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God does this. God is at work. I mean, be careful when you come to a text like this, though, to, that we want to learn about God from the text. And I'm saying, be careful that we don't just bring general ideas about God to the text here in our understanding of it. Because the image here is that the Lord stops wars, not by some peace treaty, not by negotiation, but by destroying these other armies. That's why the weapons of war are broken and burned and shattered. This is the might of our, our God, you know. It's, it's not that he's, anything he's doing is not conditional on the other person agreeing with him. He can protect you in his own rights. In verse 10, we find one of the more well-known lines in all of the Psalms, really. It's, uh, it's in quotes there, if you didn't realize that, because it's God speaking, uh, you know, it's a quote from God himself. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you, what do you do? We, we have a lot of tornadoes here, so if you're new here, they, you might not have 
had the experience yet of uh, suddenly they say there's going to be tornadoes and you wonder what do I do. If, you, if you've got a basement though, you, you head to your basement or someone else's basement. And, and then when you get there, what, what do you do, right, to protect yourself from the tornado? You don't do anything. You, you just, you know, you know, no one gets down there and prepares. We're going to fight this tornado. Put a, get your sword. You know, there's nothing you do. You just, you just stop. And you, you let the strong and protective building protect you. You pray to the Lord that, that he'll protect you. That, that's how we are to relate to the Lord God Almighty when we face all sorts of situations. That we stop and we trust him. That, that we rest under his mighty hands of protection. Do you, do you remember when the disciples of Jesus were in the boat and this, this storm comes and they fear for their life that they're going to be capsized and they're going to drown out here in the middle of this lake what do they do? They, they wake Jesus, and then they do nothing. They just stop and watch Jesus be Jesus and work. They, they couldn't do anything to fix the issue anyway. And so they, they stopped and they watch, and Jesus speaks, and the storm goes away, and suddenly everything's calm. Now, there is a, a time to act in life. There is a time to battle. But there's also a time to just stop and guide your mind to the realities that God is God and that he is working and that he is for you. There is a place of rest in that. In, in those moments, God is exalted in our hearts as he protects his people. And God is exalted among the nations as, as we show that we trust in him. Listen, church, we, we need to practice this more often. This, this, this art of just being still and knowing that God is God. It means we've got to stop rushing sometimes. We've we, we got to turn off entertainment and just be alone with God, to, to cease striving, cease hurrying, just be quiet in the presence of the Lord. I mean, when's the last time you, you did that? Just Stillness. And the reality is, is, is such stillness is rare in the world today. In those quiet moments of reflecting only on, on the Lord. I think there's a, a place in our life that, that is not there very often that we need to find and then just, just linger there. To be done rushing and just be still. To, to be still is so hard for us in this time of history. I, I don't know. I, I find it incredibly difficult to just, just stop and be still. And I'm telling you, we've got to make time for this in our life. Make space for this. You need to just stop and dwell on God being God. Dwell on how secure you are as his covenant child, as his beloved bride. See, as I, I mentioned when we began our, our, our service today, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This is a hymn that was written by, by Martin Luther in response to this psalm. You, you can see it all throughout this idea that, that God is our, our refuge. Um, that idea is seen there in verse 7 and verse 11. It's the same verse repeated twice within this. The, the Lord is our fortress. When we face fearful and anxiety-inducing situations in life as Christians, we can find confidence in the presence of Christ. <clears throat> the, the confidence of, of the Israelites was, was great, but 
we who, who understand and, and have faith in Christ, ours is even greater, you know, since it's Jesus himself who, who assures us in Matthew 28, 20, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> See, in, in some regard, we, we need today to have our eyes opened like, like the servant of Elisha. I don't know if you know this story. It's not as, as well known. But you see, the, the king of Syria did not like Elisha, the prophet, very much. And he wanted to go and capture him. And, and so he, he, it tells us in 2 Kings 6.14 uh, that the king sent horses and chariots and a great army. And they, they came by night and they surrounded the city. <clears throat> and so Elijah's servant wakes up in the morning. And he looks out the window and he sees these armies and these horses and these chariots. And, and, and there's this idea of like, whoa, there's a mighty army out there. And, and he's saying, you know, to Elijah, you know, the, the mountains have fallen into the sea or the outhouse has, has hit the windmill. And, and Elijah just tells him, don't worry. There's more with us than there are against us. <clears throat> but this servant's a reasonable guy. And so he looks out the window and he he sees this isn't true. There's just two of them. Maybe a, a few more in there. But, but you look out there and there's this great and, and mighty army out there. And Elijah prays in verse 17 there. Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And he doesn't mean his eyes because he's clearly seen what's to be seen out there. But, but God does open his eyes in the way that Elijah is praying for. And, and then the servant looks out and he sees the horses and he sees chariots of the army of the Lord. Presumably angels. But, but either way, God strikes this enemy of his with blindness, all of them. And Elijah is not captured. See, my, my hope with a psalm like we have today is that God will open our eyes to see not only the world that we live in, but that we might see the presence of, Lord, of the Lord himself as a, as a mighty refuge in our life. So that if we, if we face unexpected diagnosis or, or tragic accidents or professional failure or financial ruin, that, that we still know that we dwell secure in the Lord who is our refuge. Because God can heal you of disease. He can provide for you. He can protect you from dangerous storms. But most importantly, in the Lord, your soul is safe. I mean, that can take away all the other fears of the world to know that. You know, my, my prayer for Christians is that God opens our eyes to know that. Not, not just as a theological fact, but as a daily reality. To know that God is indeed your refuge. The last line of the psalm says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ by faith, then, then that's your God too. So we go back to that original question, right? You know, where, where do you go when anxiety rises above your head? Where do you, where do you go when the armies of fear and chariots of worry surround you, surround your heart? This is the question for both those who believe in Christ and, and those who don't. I think for those of us that, that know the Lord, it's an ongoing battle to remind ourselves of these facts. To know it. To know it in the moment. And it's going to be an ongoing thing your rest of your life. To, to remember the Lord as your refuge. To go to Him. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce said, uh, The storms of life will come. And the greatest storm of all will be the final judgment. Make Christ your refuge now while there is still time. So listen, I'm not saying bad things won't happen because you're a Christian, because you know the Lord, because you're, you're trusting Him. I'm, you know, God didn't promise that bad things won't happen. 
But he does promise to be your refuge when bad things do happen. And disaster won't, won't, won't happen outside of his working for your eternal good. Tragedy can't take away your salvation. Calamity can't destroy your eternal home with God. Afflictions cannot touch your soul. Your, your status in Christ as a child of God and a citizen in the kingdom of God is secure forever. That's why we can, we can rest under the, the protection of the Lord even as fierce storms rage outside His strong walls. See, I, I found in my life is that um, anxiety and, and faith, I don't mean to pit them against each other, but, but in experience, anxiety and faith are like these, these two sides of a scale. And I, I find that the more solid and weightier my faith is, the, the lighter my anxiety is. I think sometimes we, we try to solve the issue, whatever it might be, in the moment that we have anxiety. And, and sometimes what we need to be doing is, is, is going to, to the scriptures, going in prayer, taking ourselves to the reality of the gospel, trusting there more. Trusting the, the Lord to fix things, yes, but trusting the Lord that even if he doesn't fix things, we, we rest secure in, in the gospel because of all that Christ has done for us. So I want to end today with this last verse or last little portion of, of Martin Luther's hymn. I, I memorized it years ago. I find it to be incredibly helpful when, when battling worry or anxiety because it, it so succinctly puts everything in life uh, into proper perspective. It, it can help you refocus on the confidence that we have in the gospel. It's that one that begins with that let goods and kindred go. Uh, just let me read it to you. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let's pray. O oh Lord, you are with us. You are a mighty refuge, and therefore we will not fear. God, strengthen our feeble hearts to not fear for health, for national security, for ecological failure or financial disaster, but to trust in you, knowing those things may happen, but you are mighty to save, and there is a life and a kingdom that you have accomplished and prepared for us, where, where none of these fears exist. Lord, may our hearts rest confident in you who make us secure, in you who are our refuge. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.